Last week, Ben, the head pastor of Rimrock, looked at the fact that the Bible is the word of God, that it is true from cover to cover. And it's a major foundation off of which this series, on which this series lies. And if you've got questions about why the Bible is true, how we know it is true, man, come and talk to myself or to Ben. There is so much irrefutable proof that it is something far greater than a collection of 66 books. And the Bible and a belief in the Bible is not just because just if you're stupid or you're unintelligent or you don't really care to look into it, right? You just have faith that it's true and I'm not going to question it. Once you start questioning it and digging into it, you'll see the facts point time and time again to the, to the Bible being something so much bigger and so much greater than has ever been produced by mankind. For the rest of the summer, we're going to look at 12 truths that the Bible teaches, 12 foundational concepts, undeniable truths that, upon which the entire Bible uh, rests. You know, and before we hop in tonight to the truths of the Bible, I want to start with truths of our culture. And tell, instead of telling you a story to try to get you hooked, I would rather you take a little bit of time and consider the statements that I'm about to say and the way in which they impact and affect your life. There is no God. The world came into existence by random chance. You are the byproduct of evolution on a grand scale. You exist by chance and your life is fully subject to natural order and random circumstances. When you die, you no longer exist. It's kind of sobering, right? To the point of being a bit depressing. What is the purpose of life? These are the truths that our culture teaches us as we go through school. They teach us as we live life, as we subject ourselves, open ourselves up to their philosophies. The Bible, however, presents a different kind of fundamental truth. The foundational element of the Bible and all that it declares is that there is a God. Every small and large piece of the entire beautiful puzzle stems from a fact that there is a God. The first verse of the Bible states, in the beginning, God. And its last chapter speaks of God providing light and love for all those he redeemed for the rest of eternity. The pages in between tell of how God interacted and continues to interact with humanity in order to restore it back to its original intentions. From cover to cover, all of the Bible's truths, philosophies, and instructions firmly rest on the fact that there is a God. Now I understand if you have been a Christian for a long time, grew up in a Christian family, do any of those things, this is like, of course there is a God. But what I want us to do tonight is to spend time truly thinking about the impacts of that statement, that there is a God. 
You know, tonight in the next two chapters, we're gonna, or next two weeks, we're going to look at the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, God is three in one. He is three separate beings, all with unique roles that combined together make up God himself as a whole. And that's a really deep and complicated topic that I'd love to speak with you to tell you how little I really know about it. But tonight we're going to focus in specifically on the Father, or as the Jewish people refer to him, Yahweh. And I'm going to show you three different uh, forms of action that he has, three different character traits that he has, and there's going to be a ton of Bible verses rolling throughout here. Whenever I teach, my goal is not for you to walk away having full comprehension of the topic that I'm giving or even remembering the points that I gave. My desire is to give you truth that you can latch onto and then explore on your own. So as a teacher, I taught middle school and high school for five years. Through studies, and I say this like every three or four months when I'm preaching, but it's a nice reminder. Through studies, uh, verbal or auditory comprehension is 5%. So 5% of what I'm going to say you're going to remember. If you see it behind me, it's like 10%, right? So it's very minimal. And you can say, well, I'm not a middle schooler or a high schooler, all right? So you got 7% comprehension, right? Or maybe three if you've had a long day, right? And so the idea is to grab a hold of something that stands out to you. Write down a Bible verse. Go explore it on your own. If, some, if the Spirit peaks something in your mind, just ignore me and follow that rabbit trail. I'm here to simply give you little nuggets that the, that the God can kind of bring to fruition in your own mind, in your own life. Okay, so what I'd like to look at first is three different things that God has done. What we see in the Bible, he creates, he interacts, and he redeems. So Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, without God, nothing would exist. Let that sink in. Because of God, everything we know as a reality exists. Out of nothing, he spoke our world into being. The earth, its mountains, oceans, rivers, and lakes. Sunrises, sunsets. Vegetation, trees, flowers, crops, fruit, grains, vegetables. All animals were created by God. From poodles to mountain lions, guinea pigs to rhinoceroses. You know, I, there's a handout in the back that I'm going to kind of quote a couple things for. If this interests you, please pick one up. But it's this idea of the complexity of our planet points to a deliberate designer who not only created our universe, but sustains it today. And so we're going to look at a couple facts of the complexities of our universe. First one, the earth. Its size is perfect. The earth's size and corresponding gravity holds a thin layer of mostly nitrogen and oxygen gases, only extending about 50 miles above the earth's surface. If the earth were smaller, an atmosphere would be impossible, like the planet Mercury. If earth were larger, its atmosphere could would contain free hydrogen like Jupiter. Earth is the only known planet equipped with an atmosphere of the right mixtures of gases to sustain plant, animal, and human life. It's been precisely created and designed for us to be here. Everything we know, enjoy, and love was made by God. Everything that brings us wonder and leaves us in awe was made by God, including us. Genesis 2, 7. 
Then the Lord formed man and woman from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Humanity in all of its complexity and grandeur was created. We were intricately woven together based on our creator's design. I love the way David puts it in Psalms 139. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. One more, Michael. Nope, is that it? Yeah, thanks. So you and I were precisely designed. Give you another thing from this uh, apologetics, this sheet that kind of gives proof of the existence of God. So did you know that in every cell of our body, there exists a very detailed instruction code, much like a miniature computer program? As you may know, a computer program is made up of ones and zeros, like one, one, zero, zero, one, zero, one, zero, right? A combination of the ones and zeros. The way they are arranged tell the computer program what to do. The DNA code in each of our cells is very similar. It's made up of four chemicals that scientists abbreviated as A, T, G, and C. They are arranged in the human cells kind of like they are in a computer program. C, G, T, G, A, T, G, right? And so on. There are three billion of these letters in every human cell. Think about how small cells are. You're comprised of those. Just like you can program your phone to beat for specific reasons, DNA instructs the cells. DNA is a three billion lettered program telling the cell to act in a certain way. It is a full instruction manual. And tell me that was not put into place intentionally by an all-powerful creator. God is a creator. It is from him and him alone that all life stems. Without God, we have nothing. Because of him, we have everything. The second thing we see he does, and I pick three out of a lot, but he interacts. God loves to interact with his creation. Due to the way that he created the earth and its natural cycles, we are continually provided for day after day. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5.45. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. It is crucial to remember we are provided for because of the way that everything was created, not due to random chance. You know, but God also interacts with humanity directly. I love the way Genesis 3, 8 puts it. This is right after Adam and Eve ate the apple. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. This gives you such insight into who God is and his desire for humanity. After this, he appears directly to Abraham, Jacob, and Moses. He then resides in the middle of Israel's camp as they wander through the desert and then in the temple that they built for him in Jerusalem. Then Jesus comes along who Hebrews 1.3 states is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. 
He comes and lives amongst humanity, teaching them who God is and how they were designed to live. After Jesus ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit, who is the third part of the Trinity, now inhabits all who desire to be reconciled to God through Jesus' death. Page after page of the Bible declares undeniably that God longs to interact with the ones that he has made. He not only sends the rain to give us life, but he also directly engages with us so that way we can know who he is and experience redemption. So he creates, he interacts, and the reason he interacts is so that way he can redeem. You know, the moment that humanity rebelled against his design, God stepped in with a plan for the redemption of the entire human race. We see this in Genesis three fourteen and 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, right, the embodiment of evil, the one that uh, tempted Adam and Eve, because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity or hatred, fighting between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So we see God stepping in to fight against the evil of the world. And there's a prophecy there of Jesus destroying Satan, even though Satan bites his heel. From Noah on through Revelation, we see God carrying out his plan to redeem his people. The Bible is a story of a creator bringing restoration to a broken creation. A main purpose of his interaction is so that mankind can be saved from the consequences of their own choices. In order to do this, God sends Jesus to sacrifice his life for humanity so that people could be redeemed from their soul slavery, from their separation from the creator, which is the eternal consequence of our rebellion. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Like I said, I'm giving you so many verses If one just stands out to you, write it down, go home and read it and meditate on it. But when the fullness of time had come, God, right, he's the one in charge, sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law. That's you and I. So that way we might receive adoption as children. Such a beautiful phrase. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. So we see that God gives us his spirit, gives his spirit to those who believe so that they can know they've been reconciled. What's incredible is that through the spirit, not only do we know we've been saved, but we are continually redeemed day after day, made more and more into the image in which he created us. We see this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, right? We can't fully see him, are being transformed into the same image, his image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. The Spirit is what transforms us, makes us better at loving people and caring for one another and doing God's will. You know, at the end of it all, God, through Jesus, will put an end to all evil and suffering, give eternal redemption to those who seek him. We see this in Revelation 22. 
And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He desires to interact. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. It's redemption. I think there's one more, Michael. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha alpha and the Omega, right, beginning and end, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. There is a God, a God who creates, interacts, and redeems He has proved his existence through perfection and the complexity of his design. He has shown his intentions with mankind over millennia and countless cultures which have been recorded by eyewitnesses. That's what the Bible is. There is a God who creates, interacts, and redeems. Out of this, we can begin to understand his character traits. And I just want to look at three of them tonight. The fact that he is just, that he is love, and he is full of mercy. So we'll start with just. God is perfect, without flaw. And when things do not align with his perfect design, then he allows the natural consequences to occur. When man rejected God in the garden, God allowed man to walk away from him into the world he had just broken. The imperfect was separated from the perfect because of their choice. God is just. Can't forget this one. He is unable to simply look past our imperfections. He allows his creation to experience the consequences of their choices, which includes hardship and death but God is also love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. I kind of broke it up a little bit because I just want to focus in on this. Because love is from God, for God is love. Now, it does not say God is loving. He is the source of love. Love exists because of God, because God is love. Now, that word love can be so ambiguous and just hard to hang on to. And So I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13 because they spend some time defining what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. God bears all things. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. God is love. According to what we see of the God in the Bible, this is the foundation out of which he interacts with humanity. He is motivated by his love for us. That is why we were created. That is why he interacts with us based on 
his motivation, based on the motivation of his love for us. He breaks into our world to redeem us because of the intensity in which he loves us. God has no ill intentions for his creation. Please hang on to that one. Come and talk to me if you don't agree with that. God has no ill intentions for his creation. Ezekiel 18.32 Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I, this is God, have no pleasure in the death of anyone. I have no pleasure in the death of anyone. Turn then and live. Such a beautiful insight into who God is and how he views and cares for and longs for all of humanity. But if God is perfect and we are not and he is also just, how could he do anything but allow us to experience the natural consequences of separation and death? The third one, he is merciful. Through the illogical and radical nature of his love, he creates ways for his people to experience mercy. He creates ways for us to experience mercy. For the Israelites, he provided a sacrificial system through which animals paid the price for their sins. Because of this atonement, God was able to continue to dwell in their midst. Without it, he would not have been able to. By sending Jesus to be all of humanity's perfect atonement, that means like he takes on the sin and makes us clean. A just God grants mankind the ability to receive eternal mercy once and for all. Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, this is Jesus, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Single offering, all time. By doing this, by sending his own son to die the just death of a rebel so that way we could experience endless mercy, God proves the intensity of his love. Romans 5.8 But God proves his love for us. You want to know how much God loves you? In that while we were still sinners, running away from him, Christ died for us. I know this is a lot. According to the Bible, there is a perfect God who creates interacts and redeems out of his love for his creation. Now the application of these truths is profound and unending. So take a moment this time to consider the truths of the Bible instead of the truths of our culture. There is a God. Don't let that just pass through like of course there is. Think about the fact that there is a being that is in control of all things. A being that spoke our world into existence. Now consider that this being has proven himself to be merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. That at the core of who he is, is love. Let's go one step further. This loving being has the power over everything and he created you. 
that you are not a byproduct of random chance and solely a result of evolution and natural order. You were intentionally created out of nothing. But it doesn't stop there. Your creator, because of his love for you, desires to continually interact with you so that you can be redeemed from your own brokenness and the brokenness of this world. Let me say that again. The one who created everything wants to interact with you today in the here and now so that you can live a better life. And these truths can be groundbreaking. If you take time to meditate on this, it will change your view of this world, of others, and yourself. By thinking through these things, it can produce meaning for your life in this world. Purpose. It can greatly reduce, if not completely eliminate, your fears. It can affect the way you live your life and you spend your time. It can change your sense of self-worth and your compassion for others. One's view on God has major impacts on every aspect of their life. So here's my challenge for you tonight. Take 10 minutes each day this week to meditate on one of these truths. One of the points, one of the Bible verses, one of the concepts that's stuck into your mind. 10 minutes, such a short amount of time. Meditating simply means to remove distractions so you can focus your mind on a specific topic. Christian meditation is not clearing your mind of all thought, but rather intentionally focusing your mind on specific ways of thinking. So my challenge to you is to pull away from the good and the crazy things of your life to meditate on the reality of God's existence. That he created you and wants to interact with you to bring you more and more goodness. Think deeply on the truth that God is real and loves you intensely and extends endless mercy to you so that way you can be redeemed from the folly of your choices. And this is, meditation is such a simple concept. You know, I started to meditate on these concepts this week, and I have not been able to get past the fact that there is a God. I just allow that to roll through my mind for those 10 minutes. There is a God. Man, there is a God. There's a God. And allow it to sink in as you repeat that phrase. God loves me. God created me. I was specifically made for, for certain things, for a purpose. I can be redeemed by a creator that interacts. Just grab one of those phrases, one of those verses, and allow it to roll through your mind for a 10-minute time or five minutes or 30 minutes. And you'll see that it'll penetrate deeper into who you are and you'll feel its effects throughout the rest of the day. Take 10 minutes every day this week to fix your mind on a fact that there 